This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, friends. It's Ryan LaPlante here talking to you from the grim darkness of this week. Uh, It turns out we don't have a new episode of the Valentine Heresy for you for this week because the Emperor's Tarot would not allow it. However, we don't want to leave you with nothing, which is why I'm excited to give you the chance to sample season two of our other podcast, Blood and Syrup. It's still grim dark. It takes place only at night. It includes vampires, and season two includes a lot of the the favorite voices that you've got from this show. The cast includes Dell, Tyler, and Laura. And you've heard from season two of this show, me as a GM, and I am the storyteller of season two, though I do a little bit of trading off with Tom as it goes. It's a really fun opportunity. It stands alone as its own season in a totally new area. I mean, you can start at the beginning if you want, but I think you could really enjoy New Haven. It could be a really exciting thing to help you fill all, all the time we've got now that the world is both opening up and getting colder and thus locking us inside. So please enjoy this first episode of season two of Blood and Syrup. And if you enjoy it, please go keep listening on that feed. And we will have more Valentine Heresy for you again next week. Welcome, my kindred, to the second season of Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. I am Sylvania Dracul, your host through this world of darkness. Our heroes successfully defeated the orphans as commanded by the Prince of Montreal, but their situation hasn't gotten any better. Iris is away on tour, Damien Black has kidnapped Ridley's mother, and Everett's crises of conscience are growing more deadly as Montreal falls deeper into the shadows of the Camarilla and the Vampire Mafia. How will the Coterie escape their blackmailers and keep Montreal from washing away in a tide of blood? Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. Everett, it began as most things you don't like begin with a phone call. Or more accurately, a text of an incomprehensible series of emojis and numbers that you knew meant you had to go visit Ridley. Otherwise, he would have just called. So you've got yourself a new car. It's been a long time since you've had your car to kind of hide out in and get things done. Yeah. What car did you manage to scrounge for yourself? 
would come and if you think it would be new, myself. then let's roll a die to find out if you can get the like what, what card did you want. Um, I think Everett um, in. Uh, uh, I think because we were hiding out at, uh, at the uh, the morgue there, I think Everett just sourced a, a hearse. I think that's just simple, uh, inconspicuous to leave it there kind of thing. Uh, and it's a good people mover, uh, especially the kind of way that we sometimes have to move people. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he's he's got a hearse. Right. So your hearse pulls up to the strip club that your coterie had taken over at the end of the previous season. And you went in through what is now Montreal's hottest bisexual strip club. There are people of every variety, gender, all of them looking great, decked out, theme shows, very exciting place. How do you feel about walking through an environment like that? This doesn't strike me as Everett's prime hang. Yeah, I don't think he really gets the appeal of the music um, I think he, he's, it's kind of like, you know, you're having a good time. Great. Uh, don't let your good time interfere with my good time kind of thing. Like, I think that's like the, the kind of like a rule for him is like, they're fine out here doing their thing, having fun, whatever. Good for you. Not for me. Yeah. Right. So the, the bear boys, you get some respectful nods. Chonky gives you the nod as you go in and you make your way to the back office uh, where, the, where, the, where the door opens uh, and Ridley sitting behind a desk. Somehow it feels like you've transplanted the office that you had right. in the bar at the beginning. Just a tiny, dingy, kind of crappy place is the bar inside this. You know, it's very fancy bar in general, but the office is still terrible. Ridley's like, oh, right. It's good to see you. So why don't you take a seat? So I've got this thing. That I think is going to be great. And he just goes past you and closes the door and kind of like shoves you into a chair. Uh, and you're kind of getting ready for bad news because if he's really setting the scene. Yeah. If he's excited about something, I'm going to like hate it. Yeah, so, <laughs> you know how Damien Black has kind of taken over my whole life and he's got my mum and he's going to kill her if I don't do what he says. So I've started having to do bad things. You know all that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I recall. So I got two pieces of amazing news. One, I know where my mum is. She's in Calgary. Uh, that's kind of all I know, but she's in Calgary. However, uh, I can't go because he'll fucking kill my mum and then me. Uh, and he knows everyone else loves me, so I can't send any of my friends. But you know no one loves, you know, thinks loves me. It's kind of you. Because we only kind of figured our shit out like fucking two weeks ago and it was kind of quiet in our own little fucking place, you know, white line, justice, etc. Yeah. So I kind of need to send you to fucking Calgary to go get my mum. Ridley, I don't want to go to Calgary. Oh, no. So that's why I got you a job. <laughs> so now you have to go. So you're going to be doing front desk at some sort of fucking sheriff's company. I don't fucking know, but I got you a job as a night copper. You know you're going to fucking love that. How can you fucking say no? Then you go. Uh, Calgary's probably real small, so it'll take you like <laughs> fucking a day. Uh, you go. Find my mum. Bingo, bingo. Bring her back to Montreal and we can overthrow the fucking Norte Nostra. So... You got me a job, Ridley? Well, I thought, you know, you're not going to want to go to Calgary. You want to stay here with me because I'm fucking great. But it's not going to be possible. So I thought, what do you want more than anything in the world? You would like a low-level administrative position with a small police force. Right. So that's just a cover. 
only as long as I find your mom and then we come straight back? Or do I need to, like, what am I doing at the police station? I Listen, I, I, I feel like cases. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call these I'm operational details and those can live with you. But they'll live with you because I forget you got to have a cover job. And if you could get some sort of fucking, you know, paper badge, you could go like, hey, 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 I'm, I'm fucking a cop. I don't do the cop thing. But <laughs> yeah, I just no, you, you got go. me. You got me dead to rats there. That was spot on. I thought there was two of me in the office here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fucking piece of shit. Uh, well, here's the deal. We could talk this out forever, but then your driver's going to be real upset because I knew you'd need somebody to get your ass out of Calgary. What? My driver. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you're just going to be able to drive at night, but we need you to get there fast to save my mum or I'm going to do fucking bad things here. So i got someone, and you're going to be a big, really big fan. And he goes to the office door. It's like, hi, it's so happy to be here. Can't wait for us to go around. And then I'm going to drive really far. Calgary's kind of close, but I have a friend who was there once. And, and, and he's like, yeah, so and he just closes the door in his face. <laughs> he's like, Ridley. Well, I mean, he's got Am to sleep I leaving tonight, and is my driver... That motor mouth from the cab company. Yeah, but he, he'll drive the day and then sleep during the night. Oh God, I hope so. All right. And what, so I'm leaving now? Yeah, I didn't think this should wait, so kind of everything's good to go. <sighs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to... Look, I'm... Kind of put me into a corner here. I'm not gonna not rescue someone's mom like that. I I just would have lacked a little more heads up or to kind of be involved in the planning. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. And knowing how reasonable you are now, if I could go back in time, I'd clearly have had this conversation with you. However, you do have a history of sort of getting emotional and not wanting to do things. So I kind of forced your hand. I'm sorry, next time we'll do more fucking chatty chat, you know? Yeah, this is kind of getting me a little emotional and making me not want to do it, Ridley. Yeah, but you, you're still gonna because you're a good guy and shit, right? Oh, fuck you, Ridley. And I'll get up. <laughs> well, I like, I like took my hat off to like come into the office and like put it back on. <laughs> off my head for all of 45 seconds and I, I'll, I'll get back up and go for the door. Uh, is there anything else I need to know or uh, any equipment I'm bringing with me? Like if they're holding your mom out there, there's obviously some kind of vampire presence, right? They're yeah, watching I mean, her, holding her. I'd assume that the Note Nostra's got some kind of fucking foothold. I'll tell you, I tried to get in touch with the Camarilla out there. Couldn't fucking find anyone. So I'm thinking you're going to have to go in and just kind of figure it out. You'll <laughs> use your fucking investigation skills. Uh, by the way, you can't keep the driver, though. I've got to get him back. So basically it's you in a I car don't want him. and a low-level <laughs> administrative position saving my mum and thus probably Montreal. Because you don't want to know what I could get made to do over here if this takes you like a year. Because the answer is a fucking lot of bad shit. Right. All right, I'll try and bring your mom back fast as I can. In the meantime, could you maybe, I don't know, drag your feet a little when it comes to serving the Note Nostra? 
Yeah, I'm, I will drag my feet exactly as much as will mean my mum doesn't get hurt. But I will tell you, if you've been at the conversation in the hospital, uh, Damien Black will fucking cut my mum's head off if I fucking slow down in the least. So I'm going to need you to just, like, work real quick, okay? All right, all right relax, Ridley. I'll I'll get your mum. <sighs> it feels good to have someone fucking say that because this was not my fucking specialty. All right, tough you go. And he's so sorry. I'm so excited for you and me to go on a long car ride. I don't really know what's going to happen. Maybe we should ship you part of the way and then it would actually be faster. Like I could fly and then you could just get sent to the thing and you just motor mouth. For the first time, the music's covering the sound for a moment for you. Yeah. So just walking through the bar is, I think, as close to heaven as you yeah. get. And then you begin a several weeks long road trip. <laughs> Uh, with your favorite driver. Uh, he does trade off with you, uh, so he does sleep during a portion of the night. Less than you would hope. It turns out uh, he's known as a micro-sleeper. Uh, no. He, no. he only sleeps about two and a half hours a night, and then he's fully rested. Uh, and he says normally that he would spend most of his evenings like like painting or other things that help him achieve like a dreamlike state, but he doesn't want to leave you alone to just drive and try to focus on his art. So he he lets his mind rest while he's driving, uh, and your coffin is in the back. Luckily, you do have a hearse, so the trek for you, there is a coffin, like a place for you to crash that's uh, light-sealed and safe. Uh, as you get closer to the town, like it's... You're realizing, I think, as you drive and do any amount of thinking or research, that Calgary is way bigger than <laughs> than Ridley was in any way aware of. Ridley right, seems yeah. to have thought this was like you drive out for a day or two. <laughs> it'll take you 48 <laughs> hours to find something and just drive back like a lot yeah. of people in Europe think Canada works. Uh, he's wrong. <laughs> it's a very big city. Uh, and the other thing that's kind of surprising for you is you can't find any information on the town you're going to work at which is just known as new haven so outside um, calgary is is where i'm, I'm yeah yeah can you roll me an investigation it. just uh i'm imagining you'd have to stop for your driver to go to the bathroom and you'd have access to a cell phone okay uh what kind of hunger am i working with um i think you would have been reasonably well fed let's say you'll start at f- roll, roll me a rouse check so that's a success. Great. I'm going to say that you are actually, uh, we'll say over the course of the drive, uh, you can stop to hunt. It would actually make sense for you to do that in kind of random out of the way towns. Uh, and you find vampires that seem kind of shitty. So for you, it's just kind of like stop, eat a vampire, keep going. It's you both don't... convenient and concerning that they're out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, truck okay. stops in kind of high risk populations that makes are sense. prone right. to having uh, the worst vampires around. There are right. those who are much smarter and sort caring of away from about prying victims. eyes of the Camarilla. Right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, okay. So I'm sitting at what? Probably one hunger then? Is that? Yeah. So let's, let's have you sit at one. That feels okay. right. Okay. Uh, so I've got my hunger die and my regular dice. Um, and it's just straight investigation, no um, mental component. Um, I would say we'll do investigation, and do you feel like this probably intelligence, realistically? Sure. This is just for you to look into New Haven and their department, where you're apparently being hired to work the front desk. Uh, three successes. Three successes. Okay. Uh, you find references to it. 
And you can find references to a, produ- a, a construction company that worked on a subdivision in New Haven, but you're only seeing it listed as a subdivision. You're not actually seeing it listed as its own place. It's clearly south of Calgary, um, but you're not finding a, a whole tremendous amount of detail despite the address that you're getting sent to it. You do see that the place you're going does match with the location of the subdivision that's been built. It does strike you as a bit odd that there is essentially a subdivision being built in the middle of nowhere as usually there would be other things going on, but that's all you get. Okay. Um, because you are racing towards New Haven, though, uh, you don't always have the best timing when you arrive. Uh, it turns out the last leg of the drive is actually being done by day. Okay. So uh, I'm, and, I'm locked in a, a box and can't really yes. observe my our, our arrival. Correct. Uh, and to be super clear about how vampire daytime works, vampire it's not the same as like sleeping where you just have like the chance to wake up or other things. You fall into like a blank-minded coma. It's almost as though the time kind of instantly passes like an anesthetic uh, unless there's something specific to wake you, which you obviously don't have. So you are somewhat surprised when you wake up inside your coffin with someone hauling the lid off. You can feel that it's it's clearly... Uh, just after sunset, um, you're not struggling to wake up. You kind of wake up as the lid's being hauled off. And you find yourself in a small office uh, with with an older man in a traditional kind of small-town sheriff's uniform. He's he's bald. He's got that kind of Dr. Phil toilet seat of hair uh, around <laughs> his head. He's a little bit heavy set. And, and he uh, he looks down at you and he's just like, okay, you can't you can't tell anybody anything other than that you're the sheriff, okay? You're the sheriff. Now get out there and save everybody's lives. Here's a badge. Uh, and he gives you a badge. Uh, and you realize you can hear screaming down the hallway, just howling and, and pounding. And he's pointing towards the door and he's like, here, you can take my gun, but you're the sheriff. If you don't tell them you're the sheriff, a bunch of innocent people are going to die, okay? Well, I, I'm here for the uh, receptionist job. Uh, I have a condition. I referenced the, the coffin. Um, Listen, Mr. Vampire, there's oh, a bunch shit. of other things attacking the building. I need, you really need to be the sheriff or a bunch of innocent people are going to die. I'm talking thousands. So Fine. I need you to go out and save the day. The officers are going to think you're the sheriff. Just tell them you're the sheriff. All right, give me the gun. Here you go. So I've got his gun. I'm assuming I have my gun. Yep. And I take the badge and I go, I exit this office. Yeah. And, and I, I, the I follow office. the hall. I follow the screams down the hall. <laughs> yeah. So okay. exiting the office, you actually find yourself uh, in a, a the central area of what to you might actually feel kind of comfortable in what you would see as like the small town Texas kind of police area. It's, it's the front. It's got four desks clearly for officers to be at. Uh, you can see doorways leading to holding and interrogation directly across from you. Uh, but where you are looking is to the left towards what is clearly the entrance. Uh, you do notice this room has no windows whatsoever anywhere, which is odd. Uh, it's got kind of a corporate feel to it. But there are just pounding fists slamming into two steel doors that are kind of interlocking. You're seeing dents coming in from the outside where there is screeching. Uh and from behind you, bursting through a back door, is a nervous-looking teenager who's probably about 6'5 and might weigh about Ooh. 115 pounds. But he's wearing a <laughs> uniform and has a shotgun that feels like it should be unbalancing him in his hands. Uh, and behind him becomes a vampire you have never seen before. So, Claire, 
Mm-hmm. You're bursting onto the scene, having come down the stairs from the attic where you live. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you look like? You've just been summoned uh, to battle, essentially. <laughs> yeah, where where I am most effective. Um, I would. Uh, so Doris Francis Barbara is uh, she's uh, she's five foot two. She looks about fourteen years old. Um, she's nice. uh, long blonde hair porcelain skin one blue eye um the other one is white uh obviously from some kind of trauma a long time ago uh and she's wearing like um a kind of an updated 1600s style peasant dress Mm. and her nails are sharp and sparkly pink so Doris does look like this because you had not received notice to like get into your sheriff's gear. So you, you've come down the stairs uh, and Troy, uh, who is <laughs> the, the bean pole of, of a sheriff's deputy. Just, oh, I'm so glad you're here, Mr. Sheriff. Uh, there's a bunch of vampires. They kicked open the doors. I just got inside and locked it. I don't know what's going on. I don't want to die. Please save us. Uh, Doris, what do you say? You've, you're seeing your boss, your new sheriff, for the first time. You'd known he was uh, arriving tonight as of this morning. It was a very last-minute call right. after the tragic loss of the sheriff uh, threw off uh, all of New Haven's department. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you look like, Everett, just so we can have this described? I'll make it a note. There are other people being introduced later. I won't have you introduce yourself again. We'll just count the one description as <laughs> everyone uh, will know. Yeah, uh, uh, Everett is in a... Uh, like a, a long coat, like a trench coat. He's got a white button-up shirt and like a black tie, kind of worn loose around the neck. Um, uh, he normally has uh, like a wide-brimmed sort of like Stetson uh, hat. Uh, I think that was probably off while he was in the coffin and he hasn't put it on because of this holy crazy commotion. Uh, so his hair, I think, is a little uh, kind of like slicked back. Um, not uh, on purpose or anything like that. You think that's kind of just like some good old naturally occurring grease right there. Um and uh, he's he's kind of uh, very uh, uh, quite skinny and a little kind of uh, not quite gaunt, but but he's he's quite lean. Um, uh, and I think the uh, the lookalike that we used as kind of just like a to help folks visualize is like uh, it's <laughs> like a cross between, and it's an easy cross to make because it's Harrison Ford in Blade Runner and Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones. It's just like so. <laughs> vaguely like just like a skinny Harrison Ford kind of sort of nice a little gruff looking but but lean and and not so uh uh not as macho yeah I should I should say Doris is uh, I forgot to do the celebrity thing if (laughs) if the closest thing would be um I can't remember her name but the kick-ass um hit hit girl from kick-ass Zoe Grace Grace Moretz she's got three names too Zoe Grace Moretz (laughs) yeah okay Great. So what do you say to the sheriff? Doris, all you know is Troy panicked and told you a bunch of vampires are breaking in to kill everyone. Okay. Yeah. Um, she's going to just kind of walk over to Everett um, and just kind of, she's going to look up at him and cock her head with her eyes open wide and just um, say, you're here. May I? Sir, may I have your wrist? Uh and she's no. gonna grab his. She's gonna grab his wrist. Well, get her, get her off of me! And, and just, just like, shake my. She's just gonna. She's gonna like smell the skin on your wrist, and just uh, look at you and say, "You smell conflicted." I look. I'm, I'm real glad you're here to save us, sir. I I look to Troy and like I'm protecting everyone from her, right? Because this is. 
No, them! Uh, and he points, and the door, the steel doors burst off their hinges and hammer in, and you see just four vampires in full frenzy, just fangs out, bloodshot eyes, bleeding from their kind of nose and ears, uh, and they just tear in uh, after all of you. And we cut to <laughs> an hour earlier. Uh, morning has begun the same day inside New Haven, in a small apartment at the edge of town, the northwest edge, because I'm not great with keeping track of the compass, uh, where Val, you have woken in in your coffin. Uh, what is the average morning like inside Val's apartment? Yep. The, the average morning is that... I mean, vampire morning. So I was about right to now. say, vampire what morning. is going on? <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I, I think the term morning would actually be used because as, I mean... Everett is slowly becoming aware, but as all the other people are very aware is, uh, vampires live somewhat more openly in New Haven. So morning would not be a derided term the same way it might be elsewhere. But sorry, Val, continue. Yep, yep. So she would wake up in her coffin, which is in the tinier room in the apartment. It's an apartment with multiple rooms. But the, the room is just a mess. So she would move the coffin off and just stumble over clothes that are just strewn about. And I guess if this is, is this a day, a work day? Or is yep. this a weekend? It's a work day. So she would actually stumble around and find the remains of the actual uniform that she's supposed to wear for uh, being working for the sheriff's department. Yeah, so the sheriff's department uniforms are the traditional ones that you would picture from kind of uh, American small-town law enforcement. So it's the tan kind of short sleeve shirt with uh, the gold badge button-up, kind of black belt with the the equipment on it and dark slacks uh, to kind of boots. Uh, however, I think... Because I just you pictured, are. I just pictured Reno nine one one. Yeah, yeah, pants though, pants. The pants, okay, <laughs> not 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 cut off. However, yeah. uh, because you are a vampire police officer for this like specialty sheriff sheriff's unit, uh, you would have the opportunity to, I think, customize that. So, what changes would Val have made to Val's uniform? Oh, okay, for sure, she would definitely have the sleeves ripped off, and <laughs> she would be nice. wearing big chunky combat boots with it, like. <laughs> And she would also probably have a couple like random patches, uh, like or places where it's torn and it's just fixed, like really crappily. And she also would pull out of the the front pocket. She has like mirror aviator shades that she would wear, and she she usually has like a toothpick or something in her mouth. Yeah, and I could just keep describing her if you. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. What? It, so, yeah. Yes. So she is like. Uh, 5'8", so she's not super tall, but she's pretty built, and she looks like in her late 20s, and she's got super short, spiky blonde hair, and she's just kind of like very solid, butch-looking lady. And my my thought was that she looks similar to Lori Holden from Walking Dead, but ah, especially nice. especially her Silent Hill version, where she's a cop in that. Right. <laughs> so she looks like that, only a, like a little more rough around the edges and very undead. So... Nice. So you stumble out of your clothes-strewn, uh, messy coffin yes. room yes. into the, sh- the space that you share uh, with your son. What does the rest of the apartment look like? I'm picturing this as kind of like not super modern, so it's not open. Like think of an older style building, but you've got a bit of a roomy apartment. Unless you specifically filled it with things, it would feel a little bit empty. There's the two bedrooms, kind of a big living area, a kitchen, and then the front door. It's one solid unit. Yeah, yeah. It would it would probably, it, it's like a 50-50 split of feeling pretty empty, 
but it's actually, it's not terrible. It's rather nice. Most of the mess has been contained to Val's room. And there's a few things, like there's gun parts and there's tools for like car repair just on surfaces randomly. But for the most part, it's like, she's trying to keep it generally nice. So they have a few nice pieces of furniture like that you would save up for. And then some of it is like scavenged, whatever kind of furniture, like thing boxes in the corners or things like that. Like one of those big wooden spools that that at factories that they have stuff, but they, they use it like as a coffee table. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. And approaching that coffee table is Will, your adopted son, uh, who is, he's about 6'2". He's tall. Uh, he's he's a little bit lanky. He's 26. Uh, he's living at home. He's got kind of a, a little bit of a swoopy hair. He's dressed in a, a death metal T-shirt and baggy jeans. Uh, you can see that he's playing Call of Duty uh, in, in the background. He's got his computer set up in the corner. And he's, he set himself a surprisingly elaborate breakfast. You've learned this about him. Like, he's going to take the time to make food he likes. He has to do all the grocery shopping anyways uh, because he, you constantly buy the wrong thing if he sends you, which is a point of contention. And he's just like, gosh, you always leave your room so messy. I got your ration and I heated it up. And he takes uh, your blood ration for the day out of the microwave where he had heated it up to body temperature and sets it down. It's almost like one of those high C cups that you could put a straw in. She she walks over to it and picks it up and just starts like drinking that like like chugging like chug, and then and then sets down the empty one next to his like desk next to his computer stuff and she's like thanks, don't forget to lock up. I never forget to lock up because I'm not allowed to leave. <laughs> yeah yeah with all the shit that's been going on yeah so stay and stuff it. What if I get a job, though? Would that be cool? I'm not listening to this. We're not having this conversation again. But I'm having it, he says, as you, like, back your way out the door. <laughs> yeah, she's just, like, leaving. He's still talking, and she just shuts the door. This, oh, she didn't even clean up her own empty. <laughs> Rations are the worst, he says to himself as he picks it up and puts it in the garbage. Uh, you, you get to exit the building to... This is a vampire who has a car as a touchstone, people. So why don't you walk us through... <laughs> Greetings, fellow servants of the Emperor. It is I, Inquisitor Lucius Valentine, and I am here to call you to step forward and serve the Emperor as part of his immortal and blessed host. It's a great day for you to join a Patreon. That's right. Patreon.com slash dumdumdice is the perfect place for you to fund our little forays into saving, let's just say, the Golden Throne and all of humanity. Now, I know the thing that you're wondering is, what's in it for me? Because, and I mean this as pleasantly as possible, you're absolute heretical scum. What I'm hoping for all of you is that you can redeem yourselves by receiving ad-free feeds where you are no longer plagued by random temptation, but instead can focus your attention purely on the Emperor. You can gain this ad-free feed for only $5 a month and receive other feeds as well to other alternate realities. If you go to patreon.com slash dumdumdice, it's for the Emperor and we'll save your souls. fucking cool as hell this car is a 2015 dodge charger srt hellcat 6.2 liter <laughs> v8 engine gets shit for gas mileage 
but is a beautiful, completely black, but with custom red interior for spills and problems. It also has a, it has a um, customized retrofitted tape deck to listen to tapes. And it has the police uh, set up. It has like the dash cam and it has a police radio and all that stuff in it. So, and it's very, very loud. Very, and the car's name is Cherry, if that ever comes up, but might. <laughs> so when you fire up the car, I'm imagining the radio or tape deck or whatever retro system you've put in starts playing. What's playing on, yes. in, what's playing in Cherry as the it's, default? It's uh, one of the Doors. It's a Doors tape. <laughs> so just one of the albums, you know, one of the sides is, is going on. So Awesome. Nice. Yep. So you peel out uh, and Cherry starts screaming down the road. Uh, yeah. <laughs> extremely loud for this time of night, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's also not a huge town. Uh, New Haven <laughs> has about 14,000 residents is like the full size. So there's not always, there's not a ton of traffic on the road. There's a little bit. There's more traffic at night than you might otherwise expect. But you know, with the vampire economy and how that affects the human economy, there's more businesses open at night in New Haven than there are in most other areas. Uh, but you are are racing forwards, uh, and then we will cut to a different awakening. Um, Evie, you are in a, a nice, traditional suburban home. It was one of the things that you were given when you decided to move to New Haven. Uh, and I know you don't have the same cultural uh, beliefs or touchstones that the rest of the vampires do in terms of vampire behavior. So where does Evie sleep during the day? Um... Evie sleeps in the master bedroom of the house with blackout curtains, obviously. Amazing. Uh, if looking closer, the blackout curtains have been directly stapled into the wall, so they yeah. cannot be accidentally opened. But like, I mean, but not stapled in like a like roughshod kind of way. Like it was like professionally done, mm-hmm. installed. Like it looks very clean. Would you have done it yourself? Or would Teddy have done it? Um, uh, Teddy's very hands-on. He would have done it for sure. Yeah, uh, this is another question because I I know some information that will come out eventually as it goes on, but it's worth uh, answering, which is you are married to Teddy, a mortal. Has yeah. he matched your night cycle or do you guys alternate? Um, He, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's like, it's one of those things like, well, you know, I'm going to bed and we'll have like an hour or so before he has to get up. And yeah, he's okay, so he's he's a, he's um, like he does I.T. for the town of New Haven. Cool. So he's got to have a day job. So what is the uh, yeah. So so he, he does the day shift on that, which is true of a lot of mortals uh, yeah. in New Haven where there there's a vampire equivalent that comes in at night to do the work. Uh, as you get dressed, what is your your morning your morning, his night ritual like? Like, what is the the two ships passing beat? Because yeah. usually couples fall into a routine. Yeah. Um, it's, uh... <laughs> so, usually, like, I'll be... Um, he'll come home, you know, he'll have his dinner and everything. I'm still asleep. Um, and what he does is he makes, like he basically makes his, uh, um, dessert, which is like my breakfast for him. And we like eat in bed and just like chat for a little bit. That's, um, that's very nice. 
Yeah. Uh, and I think because you at your humanity level, you can wake up an hour before dawn, I believe, yeah. without a costume or anything. So I think that can be like kind of your hour yeah. that you get to to spend yeah. together. So he which he preps nice. himself his, his his meal and he brings you your rations, uh, which you've got stored again in little kind of high yeah. sea containers. Um, and you and you get to have that kind of nice morning. Uh, what what is your uniform looking like? Have you altered it at all for the work that you're doing? Oh yes, um, my because normally it's just kind of like a shirt is like a box shape, like unisex, very like plain. It's like can show like nothing. Um, so I've had it like professionally tailored. So it like like accentuates my waist, has like a low deep V cut, um, and like the the pants are very nicely tapered. Nice. Yeah. Uh, as you get dressed, Teddy's kind of laying in bed, having finished his meal and just kind of watching you on the way out. And he's just like, I just can't get used to this. You know, it's been, it's only been a couple of weeks. This is crazy. I mean, is it weirder that you're a vampire or that you're a cop? Um, well, I mean, cop is a job. Cop is a job that people can have. Um, so I would say that the vampire thing is 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 the weirder one, right? Like we we agree on that one, right? Yeah, sorry. I was just trying to make a joke. It's kind of been a lot of change and like I don't know, the IT's kind of weird. There's like a a a Nosferatu or something who's the night guy yeah he sheds everywhere and he kind of has weird wiring practices like it's the 30s which is not really ideal so (laughs) I'm just trying to I'm sorry I know this is hard for you too I do uh what does Teddy look like um Teddy looks completely unremarkable (laughs) um in in the sense that's like basically take like the average of people of like all men and kind of put them together. Um, but he has like kind of this like really, really cute kind of like half smile that he does that I found really endearing. So, nice. and, and what do you look like? We know what your uniform yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, Um, So I'm basically think like Jewel State, but at like 38, 39. Okay. So she has like, um, so she's like pretty short, like she's quite like voluptuous. Think more like Kaylee, not when she got thinner. Um, and uh, with like a dark brown hair that like kind of flows very nicely, like just past her shoulders. Um, she her makeup is pristine, um, and and you can tell she's like definitely found like the one place that will like do like a blowout after after dark. Awesome. I realized I made an assumption, which is, are you eating your rations in front of Teddy or are those your own thing? Because you can still eat food, right? Yeah, I can still I can still eat food. Yeah, it doesn't like do anything for me, um, but I can still I can still consume it. So we'll have like our normal food and I will essentially like go to the bathroom to do my whole like get ready routine and I'll have my rations in private there. He doesn't need to see that. It's so, he's just like yelling from where he is as your conversation continues, as you're like eating, getting ready. He's like, it's so cool that we still need to have meals together, though, because everybody says vampires don't eat. Clearly, you know, you're closer to us than people think. I think integration is a really good idea. How could this not work? And she just yells like, yep, 
Yep, it's working. You got it, Teddy. She's like, kind of gives like a thumbs up, like out the door. Yeah. And he just steps into the doorway and he's like, I'm, do you know what? I'm sorry that I'm making jokes. I'm sorry about all the other stuff. I know you didn't want this and it's just as new for you as it is for me. We're going to get through this. This is fine. You know, no, nothing's changed. The important thing is we still completely trust each other and we're sharing everything. And how can we not get through this? And she basically just like, like drops her like curler and like, and basically collapses into him and like hugs him. He's like, all right, we're good. We're good. I'm kind of dumb sometimes, but we're good. Uh, I'll, I'll let you finish getting ready and I got to sleep. I'm going to try not to dream about Nosferatu skin. Well, and she just gives him like a peck on the cheek. Yeah, stay safe out there and keep other vampires safe, I guess. I guess that's, I guess that's my job. And she turns back to the mirror. Yeah, don't worry, he says on his way out. He's like, it's only been a couple of weeks. In a couple of months, I'm sure you'll be way more used to being a vampire. Uh, And he goes back to bed and those words haunt you. She, yeah, she's just stares. She she (laughs) stares at herself just like for a solid five minutes, just like unblinking staring. And then as the sun finally sets, you go outside to your work uh, and Cherry pulls up uh, because you don't have a car because you were used to being a a big city gal uh, until you were sent out to New Haven. So you carpool with Val every morning. Uh, You climb in and what do you say in this kind of odd mood that you're in <laughs> it's gonna look like, like it's a little flashy right oh yeah you yeah. know that it's I, so this is what she's oh, saying oh, she's saying she this said. to val <laughs> yeah val's response will just be like to lick her toothpick onto the other side of her mouth and then just pull away and not wait for her to put her seatbelt on and and uh, as she like as she drives away like <laughs> um Oh, my character's Evangeline. I don't know if we said that. Evangeline Clark. Um, so, who I, I just call Evie. Um, and most um, people does do. everyone call you Evie, or do you just call yourself Evie? No, Teddy Teddy does. Uh, my friends and my fans do. Okay, so at work, everyone would call you Evangeline. Yes. Unless, do you, do you consider, this is a weird question, do you consider uh, Doris or Val your friend? No. I would say Doris would call her Evangeline. But Val is going to call her Clark. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so basically as she pulls away, base, uh, Evie just kind of like her eyes go wide and she kind of like rolls her eyes and stares out the window. Nice. So you're driving along uh, to get yourself kind of, I, I mean, driving is probably the softest term to be used for what <laughs> Val is currently doing to the road. Uh, <laughs> You are aggressively racing towards a goal in a way that I don't know if you'll ever get used to, uh, Evangeline, but you're trying <laughs> to not criticize driving. Is It's that panic, nervous, oh, God, someone's a dragster. Uh, <laughs> Evangeline, can you roll me a perception? Does that even exist in this system? Of course it doesn't. Fuck me. Um, <laughs> it's awareness. Uh, can you roll me an awareness and a wits? Awareness and wits. Okie dokie. All right. I have to learn how to read these. And uh, all of you will be at, just so you know, one 
they will all have one hunger. Cool. Hey, I got a critical success. Nice. Two tens? Yeah. Neither on a hunger die? Wait, I have a hunger die? Sorry. One I hunger didn't... die. Fuck. Don't, okay, I'm sorry. You don't for this chain. You, you escaped. Do you want me to roll again? Success. That's great. No, no, no. Don't worry about it. So I'm sorry. How many successes total? So just four. Four. That's more than enough to notice what's going on. Okay. Um, you, as as someone who's been trained uh, loosely over the last kind of two months, but trained nevertheless uh, to be an active part of kind of policing the community, uh, instead of just sitting on the side or panicking while watching the driving, you're just keeping an eye on the road and kind of keeping an eye on the surroundings to see if there's anything that stands out. You're not seeing a ton of traffic. It's a couple of cars here and there as you're kind of speeding through the downtown zone. Uh, you do notice that there are two, uh, two vans that are kind of driving past you away from the police station as you close in, kind of bigger white delivery style vans, Mm -hmm. which seem a little out of place, but it's not really anything super serious. It's just like, oh, uh, and you pull into uh, the lot. However, you do spot something which is unsettling as you arrive in the lot itself, which is you glance towards the front door and see they have both been shattered. So you know the setup of the station. The front doors are two kind of traditional wood doors with the glass centers that can kind of be locked shut. And then there's an internal kind of greeting space and then two big seal doors because the interior of the New Haven, uh, you know, sheriff's office is light tight. There's no way light can get inside it. Someone has shattered uh, those front doors in. Uh, And as Val turns off (laughs) Cherry's throaty roar, uh, (laughs) you can actually hear howls coming from inside uh, inside the police station. So because of your perception role being so successful, uh, you notice this uh, and can act with Val immediately. Uh, you've just kind of got to make the call on what you want to say and what you want to do. Um, I, I, I basically just put my hand out on Val's arm and I just say, listen. What the now, fuck is that? Yeah. Um. So you're going to just do your thing now, right? Yeah, she's going to get out and go to the trunk and get a shotgun out of the trunk. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Abby, do you follow to get a shotgun yourself or what do you do? Um, you I have your sidearm already kind of in your yeah. holster. I, I, I looked about, I'm like, should I, sh- do I? Yeah, come on. She's Shot- going to start gun? walking towards gun? the place. Sh- she closes the trunk and she walks towards the building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fine. Got my nice. sidearm, I guess. And the two of you uh, finally reach the glass doors, but as you enter, kind of burst in, in that police prep kind of around the corner kind of way, because, Evie, you're new to this, but you're not clueless. Uh, You burst in just to see the steel doors kicked off their hinges and four screeching vampires tear into uh, the central desk area. And we flash back (laughs) one final time. Uh, Doris, you awake. Uh, you live in the attic of the sheriff's office. Yes. Uh, it has been set up as your own private apartment. What does it look like in there? It looks like the most mishmashy fortune tellery apartment that you can imagine. Um, and when you come in, it kind of like it looks like a stereotypical, uh, you know, like there are gauzy curtains and there obviously there's no light, but she's got like lights on with different colors and gauzy curtains and beads everywhere. Um and and candles and there's a central table with probably like a deck of cards and a crystal ball um and then the 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 more that you look the more that there are like weird touches like there's a book 
on the bookshelf that kind of looks like it might be made out of skin. Um, there are little trinkets that definitely aren't from this century. Um, like little, like, like coins and uh, candelabras and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So it's just like, it's the, the more you look, the more kind of off putting it is, but right away it's and it, and it smells faintly of, uh, Lily of the Valley. Nice. And are you, are you a coffin sleeper or what is Doris's sleep setup like? Um, Ooh, yes. I feel like whatever would pass for a coffin in like 1600s, that's how it would look like. So just ultra simple kind of handcrafted wooden box. Do you think it is the original coffin you would have dealt with that you've like retreated over time? Or is that just a design aesthetic you enjoy? I think that's a design aesthetic. I don't think that she could, she could have carded, her coffin all the way from Ireland. Um, but yeah, I think she's remembered it and kind of like lovingly recreated it in her apartment. Wonderful. So you, you wake up, uh, do you have, um, for lack of a better term, but like a morning ritual for Doris? Hmm. Um, yes, I think her morning ritual would be going and you never quite see what card she's pulling out, but she does like a one card reading for herself. Uh, well, in, in a very, in a very wistful ritualistic way um, that she'll like pour her blood into like a chalice and, uh, and, and sip the blood from the chalice as she's doing her one card reading for the day. And you don't see what that card is, but she kind of every morning it's something different. And wonderful. And, uh, yeah. Do you have a D 100 with you? Oh no. Or I don't. just two D tens. Yes. Roll me two D tens. Okay. Actually. Oh, Seventy-five. Wonderful. Um, the number comes in, and it's fascinating because it suggests that a mystery will be unveiled, and at the same time, good news will arrive. The only reason that's confusing is because Troy slams through uh, the door to your apartment, and he's like. This is really bad. We're under attack. Uh, and uh, and as he bursts in, because this is the, the thing that I just forgot to say, uh, but as he bursts in, there's a flurry of cat. Um, <laughs> and you see like six cats, all of them black, uh, go skittering around the room. Um, and uh, she'll, she'll just kind of look at him with wide eyes and say, perhaps this is the mystery, Troy. Perhaps this is what the card says. I don't know, but there's vampires that are going to come kill me and you, and then maybe the cats eventually. We got to protect this place. Well, then perhaps we'll tell them not to. That sounds really good. Uh, they kind of wouldn't listen to me, and then they kicked in the glass doors, and then just went, ah, I'm going to kill you. And then I came inside and locked the door, so we got like a minute. How barbaric. <laughs> uh, and she's just going to, um, she's just going to rise and uh, and carefully put her cards to the side, uh, throw a shawl over the crystal ball, um, and just go over and and she'll take his hand uh, and just say, uh, "We'll go, but make sure that the children are safe." And she gestures to the cats, um, and then just kind of like flows out the door past him. 
None, none of you go past me, okay? There's bad stuff out there. And he's just looking at cats. He's like, not you, Buster, and not you. None of you, stay, stay. Uh, and then he, he closes the door as one cat darts past him. He's like, oh, fuck. Uh, and then he's just going to follow you down the stairs. Um, he does manage to shoo the cat into the evidence locker and just lock it in there so it won't get into the front kind of combat area. Uh, and then you burst out to find uh, the sheriff and you have the conversation you did. And then the front doors burst forwards and you see Val and, and Evangeline uh, at the front bursting in behind them. But you realize you are facing four fully frenzied, terrifying vampires out for your blood. This episode of Blood and Syrup features the voices of Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Claire Blackwood at Claire Blackwood on Twitter, Del Borvik at Deltastic on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and storyteller Ryan LaPlante at The Ryan LaPlante on Twitter. This episode was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra, and Blood and Syrup's artwork was created by Del Borvik at delborvik.com. That's D-E-L-B-O-R-O-V-I-C. Our theme songs are What's Really Going On Right Now by Chase Allen Willis and Traffic by Kai Engel. And our ads use the tracks No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All of their music is available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com, our Twitter and Instagram at dumdumdice, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. We also have merchandise available at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice. And most importantly, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. Sleep well, my kindred. Sleep well in this world of darkness. Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, The Half-Blind Prophet, James Quayar, Charles Grams, Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby, One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield, Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Chet Awesome Laser, Jordan Neesmith, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Taryn Hefner, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Christian Mendez, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire on Friendly, Great Dane, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Pazat, Austin Nut Powers Fry, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Are you emotionally exhausted? Do you have strong feelings about authoritarian power structures? Have you ever stared up at the night sky and felt tiny and alone? If so, ask your doctor about Wolf 359, the award-winning sci-fi audio fiction podcast by Kinda Evil Genius Productions. Side effects may include strange genetic experiments, unreliable AI systems, the potential discovery of alien life, and toothpaste. Find Wolf 359 wherever you listen to podcasts and visit wolf359.fm to learn more.